Hello, my name is Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time in our year view mirror, looking at the PPE scandal, a story that the Byline Times did so much to promote in the days when parts of the mainstream media were keen to look elsewhere. Nafiz Ahmed and Sam Bright did some brilliant digging early on, highlighting how a government-approved VIP lane for ministers' chums during the COVID pandemic sanctioned the purchase of safety equipment that was, in many cases, unusable. Amongst the most expensive failures was the personal protective equipment provided by a company called PPE MedPro. This was the firm that Baroness Michelle Moan repeatedly denied being involved with, before admitting recently that her husband, Doug Barrowman, received more than £60 million in profits from the deal, £29 million of which was diverted to a trust, of which Moan and her three kids were beneficiaries. Let's talk through this now with Peter Jukes, the executive editor of the Byline Times and the Byline Times chief reporter, Josiah Mortimer. Welcome both. Uh, Josiah, I mean, what an incredible end to the year on this long running, seemingly never ending scandal of PPE provision. Yeah, it's been quite a remarkable set of events, really. Byline Times started reporting on PPE MedPro and its potential links to Michelle Monin. In 2020. And of course, like other outlets, we were immediately hit with legal letters and allegations that we were saying things that were defamatory, completely untrue. They were putting us on notice for legal action. And then, of course, you get that non apology effectively from Baroness Michelle Moan saying, actually, I am linked to PPE MedPro and she does stand to benefit from it. So, yeah, I think our reporting and colleagues that preceded me who did much of this work. It's all been completely vindicated. And I think there's a lot of anger among people who were were covering this at the time, but also, I think, rightfully among voters who were misled as well. Michelle Moan said that she had hidden her involvement in order to protect her children and her family. But this story goes off in so many different directions, not least the legal profession, when she had at least three legal firms who were fronting up for her, saying that she was not connected with PPE MedPro. One of those solicitors now has come forward and said that he's sorry that he misrepresented the facts. Another one of them, though, David McKee, has reminded the Byline Times that it would be defamatory to suggest that he did anything by way of deliberately telling an untruth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we're now in the slightly meta situation of the lawyer's who were involved with Michelle Moan at the start, now getting lawyers to defend themselves, saying that they weren't deliberately misleading us. And actually, it was Michelle Moan who misled them. And of course, she says the opposite, that she received legal advice saying deny all involvement. So I can see this going further. Of course, it all becomes a little bit technical, but I think there is a broader point at stake here, which is who was doing the misleading We obviously know that Michelle Moan was part of that. She's admitted she lied about her involvement in the firm. But were legal firms also wrapped up in these lies as well? So we're currently looking at options, really, to try and shed some more light on that. And we'll be doing some more reporting on that soon. And there's also a potential legal challenge as well from Good Law Project and the New European, another news organisation that reported the truth on PPE MedPro and was threatened and had to spend thousands of pounds responding to these legal threats and now potentially taking Moan and and those lawyers to court. I think to try and 
level the playing field, really. It's completely free in this country to put people on notice for libel action. And libel law is completely tilted in favour of the powerful, unlike in the US, where there is this presumption in favour of free speech. In the UK, publishers and individual journalists can be sued and they have to be the ones that prove that what they wrote was true rather than what the powerful say is a lie and proving otherwise. So it's a really messed up system. And hopefully by these kind of actions, we can help tilt the balance back towards, I think, transparency and accountability. And Peter, there's an obvious political dimension here. This was a Conservative government, members of whom introduced people like Michelle Moan to the VIP line, gave them their personal stamp of approval, and who now, at the moment anyway, don't appear to be accountable or are not yet accountable for what happened when things went wrong. It should be pointed out, of course, that the government is suing PPE MedPro for its unsuitable PPE. But individual ministers, as of yet, have not been held accountable for the errors that they were at least complicit in. Well, we've got to remember that the vast amount, 203 million to this company, PPA MedPro, which didn't exist at the point the Baroness Moan started lobbying for it to get a contract, is still a drop in the ocean compared to I think the latest calculation of 14 billion of that PPE was useless. So you've got to say five times 14, the amount, you know, the percentage of which that 200 million is a drop in the ocean of. And it's very interesting. Barrowman, who admitted he was a beneficiary of that contract, and obviously his, her partner, was a big conservative donor. And that's what we found. So those early days, April the 2nd, 2020, you know, the fees exposed that a conservative donor got this big contract. And this went on and on. Stephen Delahunty did a couple of articles in that summer under lots of legal threats, I must say, other weird companies getting contracts. A guy called Steve Comerichny noted this was a lot of a Brexit effect because we had resiled from the, the mass buying of PPE the EU had done. So there's Brexit figuring in this too. What is terrifying, really, is during a time when we were locked down, forget parties in number 10, a large number of conservative donors and associates, I think the interim calculation in 2021 was 3 billion had gone to conservative donors and associates. And then these companies made big profits, we've also tracked, and then went and donated again to the conservative party. So what is the inference from this cash carousel? It's what I always called was the danger of what's happening now of oligarchy. Basically, you get rich people getting their legs under the table of the state. They fund politicians who then give them crony contracts. That this happened when you and I and Josiah couldn't go to family weddings, couldn't go to birthdays, couldn't go to funerals. They were cashing in. I suppose that's why that's taken off, especially after the COVID inquiry has revealed the insouciance, the carelessness of Johnson and his associates and Rishi Sunak, I must say, with his cheat out to help out, whatever it's called, you know, which actually infected a lot of people. That not only were they not looking after us, so 200,000 people died, one of the highest death rates in Europe, they were cashing in. I think that's what has shocked the nation because we've been following these stories. What is it? It's going to be nearly four years in April. It never quite hit the public imagination without being rude to great journalists at The Guardian and Europeans have cottoned on about 2023 with their front page they were sued over. We were very much lone voices. I'm not going to name names, but I know senior journalists 
telling friends of mine, oh, Byline Times, there's nothing there, it's nothing better. Now, I don't mean to criticize those journalists in person, and I don't think it was anything nefarious. I think they couldn't believe the Conservatives would do this. I think we did, partly because we have like Peter Oborn following the career of somebody like Boris Johnson for so long, his behaviour during vote leave and Brexit. We knew he was a liar. We knew he was a chancellor. We knew he was interested in money. And this would all be part and parcel of it. So I'm very sad to say we're right. I am glad that the country, through the solitary figure of Moan, there are many others are focused on this. Because this seems to me one of the greatest dangers of our time, that after 2008 and the crash, businessmen and women didn't go, oh, let's be competitive, let's set up a business. They went, oh, the state's the lender of the last resort. They bailed out the banks. Maybe that's the best place to go for business. And I think that's what's happened. And the PPE and COVID contract scandal is kind of a living exemplar of that. And Peter, this is not referring to the two publications that you have mentioned, but one of the stories that Byline, again, led on was the story of what you've described as bungs to national newspapers during the pandemic. These were newspapers, although The Guardian was one of them, these were newspapers that were generally supportive of and favourable towards the government, who therefore perhaps were inclined to look the other way once these stories started emerging. Yeah, I think there is an element of embarrassment and compromise in those, what, by the way, Dominic Cummings described as COVID bungs to newspapers, because they were suffering during the pandemic. You know, there were people not traveling on trains, so they weren't picking up the newspapers at the stand. And a lot of these papers, especially after the sort of phone hacking litigation, are losing money. So is the NMA group, which does sadly involve The Guardian, but all the big papers, the Mail, the Express and the Mirror, which got, they refused to tell us how much it was in the end, but it was 35 million for the first three months of lockdown. And it went on for two years. So it's probably 200 million plus. And basically the government would place, what it was called, all in all together. Well, they're certainly all in because 200 million came their way. And these were for sponsored government information articles, but they were pretty much hidden sponsored content. So no, they were kind of paying the papers to take propaganda. At the same time, and we're beneficial of this, by the way, they removed that from newspapers. So we calculated advertising. You know, there were billions funneled towards the press. Now, obviously, The Guardian and The Mirror are very good at keeping ahead of some scandals. Obviously, The Mirror helped with Party gates and all those illegal lockdown parties at number 10 and number 11, but they haven't reported on this. Not one of those papers. <laughs> when Dominic Cummings gave his evidence, the coronavirus inquiry under Baroness Hallett, the Guardian man is saying eight things that stood out Cummings' testimony. What he was saying about the Telegraph influencing, the Telegraph and the Spectator influenced Johnson's policy. Cummings himself, hardly a man of liberal sensitivities, was saying that the right-wing papers in that case were making Johnson lock down late, making him avoid a second lockdown. So they were influencing policy, and then he was saying they were getting these bugs. That was not mentioned even by The Guardian. This is the problem, we say. Good journalists, good newspapers get compromised by all this. And that is, well, what can I say? It's a major theme of our coverage. And I just add to that, I do think, apart from that compromise of the money, hundreds of millions of pounds of subsidy, I talked to Joseph Observer, 
during that time when herd immunity blew up. And Peston wrote about this way in March, middle of March. Oh, they're going for herd immunity without a vaccine. Unheard of. We now know it's a great scandal. It was a huge part of their thinking for various reasons, and it cost thousands of lives. These journalists just couldn't believe that number 10 would behave so recklessly. So there is an element, not of complicity, but incredulity. You see a bit around Trump. Surely he's not going to do that. He doesn't really mean that. He doesn't mean what he says. He's just saying it for effect. And then he goes and does that. Well, I hope they've learned their lesson. In terms of lessons learned, Josiah, you've mentioned the threats against journalists, and these are often referred to as slaps, strategic lawsuits against public participation. There is a campaign to make it more difficult to sue responsible journalists for printing stories that are in the public interest. And if one thing comes out of this whole PPE scandal, and particularly the Michelle Moan element of it, it is that it should be easier to report stories which are true or which you believe to be true. Now, there is a defence in law, of course, already at the moment for journalists who are threatened with defamation. But because of the costs of defending libel cases, it is extremely difficult to get to argue that case in court because often you've been financially blown out of the water well before then. Yeah, that's it. Just fighting these cases, you can sink tens, even hundreds of thousands of pounds. You might win and you might get a small amount of damages, but then often you won't get your, your fees back because you've still lost tens of thousands of pounds. And, you know, the rich and powerful, they know the system. The UK is the libel capital of the world. It's a holiday destination for powerful people who want to keep negative news about them out of the spotlight. And they use the courts as a weapon, as a sort of form of lawfare to do that. There was some legislation passed recently, which offers, I think, a, a little glimmer of hope. There's chances now for judges to throw out these libel cases early in cases where journalists are covering economic crime on the basis that they are these slaps, these strategic lawsuits against public participation. Now, there is a question, actually, over whether covering the PPE scandal would constitute economic crime and be protected by this because there actually isn't a crime of defrauding the public purse in the UK, except where it covers people cheating their benefits. Obviously, a key focus of the right wing press, but not actually where the most money is wasted in our system. So there's still a few questions. I'm sure some of this stuff will be tested in the courts. There's some new backbench legislation. A Labour MP has put forward something much stronger to protect reporters who are trying to tell the truth on issues of public interest um, and covering a wider sort of um, range of issues. But uh, I think it seems quite unlikely that the government will get behind it. So maybe one for the to-do list of the next government, probably the next Labour government, but we'll certainly be holding their feet to the fire on that. Well, I just add to what Josiah said, we are at the forefront of a lot of litigation. And because of our Wooden's coverage and GB News, we had to sometimes negotiate four sets of lawyers on those articles we ran of Media 2 from the summer onwards. So we are about £45,000 out of pocket on legal fees on that one because it was extraordinary. It was outside our usual legal coverage. So if people can, it'd be great if they could contribute to a crowdfunder. We've got a crowd justice. You can find the links on our Twitter feed or any emails from us because that just means we can put that money. We're raising 30000 out of the 
45 on a crowdfunder. Just make sure that money goes to journalism. It's ring fence for the lawyers, this particular fund. But if we don't have to pay them out of the money we pay journalists, that means we can do more of our journalism. Peter Jukes, thank you. Josiah Mortimer, thank you as well. This has been our year view mirror look at the PPE scandal. My name's Adrian Goldberg. And don't forget, if you want to support our work on the Byline Times podcast as well, the best way to do that is to take out a subscription to our fabulous monthly newspaper, The Byline Times. You'll get full details over at our newsbreaking website, bylinetimes.com. That's over at bylinetimes.com. I'm Adrian Goldberg. This has been a We Bring Audio production for The Byline Times, produced in Birmingham by me and Harvey White. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Look forward to seeing you soon. We'll be with you again shortly. But for now, bye-bye. Have a good one.